Welcome to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.com. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. You know, I'm happy that you're here. Now, as you listen to the show, you know what? Sales, I know, right? We hear that word and we go, oh my God, I hate sales. So I hope that as you listen to the show, number one, you feel my passion that I truly am here and my guests are here to help you change your sales game and whatever that means to you. To help you on that journey, in the show notes, you'll find a link to my communication style assessment. You'll get two reports. One will spotlight just your natural superpowers of how people are receiving your message. Flip side, you'll get a report with your lowest score, kind of more important because they're typically blind spots of how people are receiving your message that communicate 100% opposite of you. So again, that link is in the show notes, my gift to you. Now, my motivational quote today to set the stage for uh, the topic with my guest is by Brian Tracy. And Brian says, keep your sales pipeline full by prospecting continuously. Always have more people to see than you have the time to see them. Now, obviously, throughout my career in business, I've had major ups and downs with the numbers of sales that I've made um, throughout time. Now, there's one constant that has really worked well for me, and that's always by building those deep long-term relationships with my clients. And that's created the short-term and, of course, long-term success um, that I've seen. Now, personally, to do this, I focused on having always an active pipeline, which helps to build trust and loyalty quickly uh, by doing, and here's the key word, following up on those pipeline items. So who's my guest today? Because we're talking about pipelines and his name is Jamie Shank, uh, Shanks. Jamie is the founder and CEO at Pipeline Signals, which aims to support companies in growing their sales pipeline at scale through relationship signals and signal intelligence. A decade before founding uh, Pipeline Signals, Jamie founded Sales for Life, the world's most extensive social selling training program for mid-market and enterprise companies. He's also authored two books, Social Selling Mastery, uh, an essential resource for sales and marketing professionals looking for a better way to connect with today's customers. And his second one, Spear Selling, the ultimate account-based sales guide for the modern digital seller. So Jamie, thank you so much for being on and for sharing your zone of genius with us today. Thank you so much for the intro. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, and again, I didn't cut anything out because I thought all of that information was very important. It was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was about, but it's, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes we could, you know, shrink it. That one, I was like, eh, you have a lot of good history and some foundational information that I didn't want to uh, cut out. So first question, why did you start Pipeline Signals after uh, selling or, or leaving your other company? Yeah, and so Sales for Life has now merged into Pipeline Signals, and I'll kind of give you the backstory. 10, 12 years ago, I was lucky enough to see around a corner, and I saw this tool called LinkedIn. It had maybe 50 million users at the time. There were no online courses on how to use it from a sales perspective. The word social selling had yet to be invented. And I saw that prospecting was changing. Cold calling was starting to fade away. And this is 10, 12 years ago. Mm. Email was becoming more difficult even then. And I started to experiment with LinkedIn on the back end. And I invented and pioneered this category called social selling, literally coining the word. And I got really lucky that social selling, I jumped onto a wave. And over the next 10 years, companies were looking for a new digital way to prospect. 
And we enabled 600 global customers along the journey, about a half a million sellers around the planet. On that journey, call it 10% of our revenue was live speaking engagements. The other 90 was a subscription of learning as a service, essentially. COVID hit. And the year before COVID, I was actually in a boardroom after a sales kickoff and a cybersecurity customer of mine planted a seed in my mind. They said, hey, you're teaching us this sales play called the sphere of influence, which is imagine you have a happy customer and you reverse engineer the employees that leave those happy customers and they go on to other businesses. That's who you prospect. You you tell the story of company A to the people that leave company A and go into other businesses. And so these customers on the move, this cybersecurity customer of ours said, it's great that you're teaching my sellers to do this, but why don't you do it for them as a managed service? Because we're in the cybersecurity monitoring space. We're used to building monitoring services. It's totally normal. Here's a blank. And literally the CEO and chief revenue officer were in this boardroom and they had a checkbook in their hand. They said, we will literally pay you to do this and and call it a war room or uh, a global command center. And this is the year before COVID and I turned it down. And so I said, ah, it sounds like a great idea, but I'm in the training, learning and development space. Well, COVID hit, took all of us off of an airplane, took all of us out of live meetings. Yeah. So 10% of my revenue walked out the door, but 50% of my life changed because 50% of my life was on an airplane. I was on 80 flights a year for five years, 42 different countries. And so I had this whole new world back and I turned to my business partner, Amar, at Sales for Life. And I said, why don't we start this thing uh, to, to be able to do for people? So we built pipeline signals to actually mine the intelligence on behalf of the sellers and give them the answers to the test. And so ironically, as we gave all these job changes and signals back to the sellers, the sellers that we gave these reports to would say, this is amazing, but what do I do next? What do I say? How do I engage them? And I kind of chuckled. I said, well, oh my God, I have a sales training business in a silo. I have a do it for you business in a silo. Let's bring them together. And so pipeline signals is two things. It is teaching sellers how to fish. And then a tailwind of sales reports and intelligence are delivered to them so that they don't have to always fish and do these $5 an hour tasks. We are delivering them the sales intelligence and then teaching them how to convert them into sales qualified leads. So it's a combined business and it's a subscription based business. So I hope that gave the genesis. Isn't that so cool though? Like COVID. Woo. And, and listen, I know people died. It was bad, right? Right. Jamie, it was bad, but on the same token, all of this new innovation. And I know for myself, same thing. Like we had to pivot hard when you start to evaluate, okay, that business model is now obsolete overnight. Our overnight. Business if you model, did live delivery, it was over. Yeah, yeah, it was over. So now we have this whole shift. The funniest thing is we have more time and we're making more money and we're actually able to serve bigger because of this digital presence and everybody has Zoom or Teams or whatever uh, companies. I don't care what the size of your organization, right? We're all online so much more now. We're, yeah. we're getting more done in a yeah, your gross margins like, skyrocket. Crazy. Yeah. It's just crazy. So what? Wow. And it's so funny that 
the bee was put in your bonnet, so to speak. That's an old phrase. Uh, I'm older than you, but the bee in the bonnet was the year before COVID. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you thought, holy smokes, that's pretty, pretty darn relevant to my business right now. So just kind of, isn't it cool how the universe kind of connects the dots for us? And then we kind of enter when we're ready to and COVID. As long as we're listening. And as long ah. I tell that to other founders that I help is you will, I, it's amazing how many old things become new again and mm-hmm. how many ideas you've had in the past turn out to be good ideas, but it's whether or not you decided to listen to them. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We have to be not a two by four, hopefully in the head that we listen to those whispers, <laughs> right? Like your friend in that meeting saying, you know, what you should do right. Here's the thing you did percolate, digest, and then the opportunity presented itself that there was a market for it, which became yeah. cr- really e- e- evident, but you heard it in the first place. I- I'm curious, what did you learn along the way of that pivot, that shift, and then mining, doing this mining for people in, in essence? So I'll tell two parts to that. I'll tell the entrepreneurial learning. I think maybe your guests would find that interesting. Then I'll explain the sales and marketing learning. The entrepreneurial learning is uh, if I were to tell future founders, one big learning that I took is stick to what you're amazing at and double down on what you're amazing at. Let me tell you a story. So at Sales for Life, we were an incredible inbound marketing machine. At the height of Sales for Life, we were creating a sales qualified lead every 24 hours with a global enterprise company. So we created over 250 SQLs a year with Microsoft, Oracle, Intel, like the biggest companies on planet Earth. It was raining leads because we built an incredible content marketing machine. Unfortunately, we did that on the backs of a cost of customer acquisition that was out of whack. We were spending way too much to acquire those customers, but man, were we, we acquired literally the fortune 2000. Mm -hmm. So when I started pipeline signals, I turned, you know, Amar and I decided I want to ensure that we are not so addicted to the inbound and that we develop a stronger outbound sales motion because we actually are teaching outbound all of our customers do outbound. We should be doing outbound. Sure. But over the journey, you're now taking, you're going zero to, you're going zero to one and zero to one is harder than one to two. And so we decided to go all in only on outbound rather than create a balance of inbound and outbound because we said, if we do a balance, we'll naturally revert back to our best strength. And then we'll kind of push the outbound to our to the side and we'll focus on inbound only. Well, that wasted a lot of time and calories. Just trying to stand up an email marketing machine and email deliverability and paid media. And so you're taking the things you are not the best at, knowing you already have 10 years of turning on the lights and starting companies. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a started a content marketing machine from day one. So that's the lesson learned to an entrepreneur, if you already do something really well, 10 exit, focus on the strengths. What we learned from a product standpoint, so from sales, sales for life to pipeline signals, is that one can't live without the other. The enablement world, the sales training world, one of the biggest challenges, there's two major challenges with that space. Number one, 
most of those businesses were not recurring revenue because they couldn't figure out ways to create recurring value. So training was more event-based. People would go into a classroom, live or virtual, they would learn, they would consume, and they would walk away. You as the owner of that business were stuck with a rudderless ship that was not constantly moving with recurring revenue. So you had to, to, to figure out recurring value. And then the second part to that is most sales training was very theoretical based, wasn't terribly practical, and did not have workflows and and processes that could be used for years down the road. And, and without those workflows, again, you miss out on the recurring revenue and the recurring value. So what ends up happening is sales training is great. Customers love to absorb it, but they walk away. On the other side, on the product side of mining sales intelligence, you're acquiring incredible sales intelligence for sellers, putting it in their CRM, and then telling them, I have just shown you a customer of yours move from company A into prospect B, call them. But without enablement, they it's like trying to teach a kid to drive a Porsche around a track when they don't know how to drive a manual transmission car or have ever driven before. It's just like, yeah, in theory, that sounds amazing, but I don't know why I do it. So one can't live without the other. And I think one of the biggest challenges that sales organizations are having right now is they're they're loading up their tech stack. They're buying all these sales tools, but without the context of why, what's in it for me? How do I use it? What are use cases and best practices? How do we turn this into a habit? So tools constantly get ripped and replaced out of businesses. And we found that as we gave sales intelligence, there would be this massive surge of euphoria. Oh my God, this is the greatest sales intelligence in the world. I can't believe I now know every customer of mine in the last three years that just moved into new companies. But over the course of months, they would start to it would lose its shine because they wouldn't know what to do with it. Absolutely. And so with, and so I believe that great products are an amalgamation of services and product together. And so the biggest learning is bringing in a product, but massive amounts of white glove service to make sure that there's high usage and utility. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because, you know, it's the how to's we have these tools, but okay, well, how do I use it in the most effective manner to get yeah. the return on the investment? And you have to create processes. It was so funny. I was with one of my clients and we were the sales process, you know, it's my seven week uh, process. And we had gone through, we get in the weeds, like they come out with their set of questions, their agenda. That's very typical for their ideal client. It's very, very specific. And it's in their voice. Not, I don't, I don't create the questions. I guide them, but they, you have to come up with your voice, not my voice. So one day we were, he was the executive of the division and we were talking about coaching then how do, now we've done the training, right? They've learned it who's going to inspect what we expect. Yeah, exactly. Right. The coaching component. And in one of our meetings, I said exactly what you said. I said, we have the habit. They understand what the habit is to make, but how do we make sure that the habit is enforced and not in a bad way that I'm going to yell at you if you don't do it, but create that habit. We have to create a process or a system behind that activity. So it's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I'm on autopilot. I don't have to think about it. And he looked at me and he said, can you say that again? And I have to write that down. <laughs> and I giggled because I said, it's so funny. We know what we have to, he's an executive. He's brilliant, right? 
We know what we have to do. But until someone says something that's so ridiculously simple, but implementable and then repeatable, you're like, wait, what did you just say? So I just wanted everybody to really hear what you said. You have to have all of these activities and processes. You have to have a process behind the activity. Otherwise, it dies on the vine. You will not create the habit. You will not get the return on the investment efficiently. And that's the big name of the game. Time is money. So how can we do this, get there, rinse, repeat, and get and get that ROI uh, fairly quickly? So I, well, I love I'll, that piece. I'd love to triple click into what you say, because if, if I look at, I've now been inside the belly of 601 customers, thousands of sales qualified leads over the last 10, 12 years. The number one reason that whether it is a service, a consulting firm comes in, or it is a training or enablement program, or it is a product, a tool that's going to be integrated. If you were to look at the sales organization on where it's going to uh, start and stop and fail, you have the chief revenue officer and the chief marketing officer that make the purchase. The end user of the product is typically going to be the sales professionals, whether that's a BDR, an account executive, a customer success manager. The biggest failure, though, is in middle management. Middle management is the accountability, is supposed to be the accountability coach. We end up having to take over a lot of times because the area VP, the regional vice president, the VP or director of sales, they just don't know how to hold their sellers accountable. So they buy things that was either pushed down from the chief revenue officer or maybe they had the budget to do it themselves. They buy something, but they think it's like plugging in, you know, software and it's just going to happen. Yes. It doesn't. And yeah. so accountability at the middle management level is the start and stop and fail of everything. Yeah. And it's funny. And I don't know if you do this, but when I go into an organization, the executives have to come through the training as well. And that includes the coaching. Like I had my executive team yesterday with one of my clients. And at the end, they were like, we have work to do. Like, yes, you do. Because you, you, you know, your employees have to do the work too, but who's inspecting what you're expecting. You, you have to get in the trenches now with them on a regular basis. I can't be there every day and manage, right. All of my clients and all the employees, but the accountability, I, I think, and I agree, but it has to start with the top, but it, it has to push down, down, down um, with that again, uh, assessments and, and uh, coaching really, it really goes, it boils down to that monthly coaching of accountability. Yeah. What, what are typically the biggest challenges that you're, you see with account-based sellers? Is, is there typical things that go on there? Yes. And w- this is what we help to try to solve. In my humble opinion, the biggest reason that a seller, and actually I'll tell you a study, and then that will kind of help solidify this or codify this. So there's a company in California called Topo. Topo eventually gets bought by Gartner. Topo was studying... So 50% of sellers were making quota and 50% aren't. So 10 years ago, Gartner started selling the percentage of sellers that would make quota. What Topo decided to do was to dig into the ones that were not making their quota and try to figure out why. Here's what they found. So half of a room wouldn't make their quota and they would study that half of the room. And 83.4% of the sellers that did not make their plan or did not make quota 
they chalk it up to time management or poor time management. And I believe the single biggest vampire to all things prospecting in time management is around account selection and account prioritization. And here's my belief. You could have the sexiest message you could imagine, the greatest story, the greatest product and product story. But if you're aiming your engagement at accounts that have no interest to buy or no relevance, you will waste tremendous amount of time and calories. And if you look at something called the Chet Holmes pyramid, it dictates that only three to 10% of a market is actually looking to buy either now or any sort of short to medium term in the future. And so how do we figure that out? Well, we want to use what we'll call compelling events, triggers, or signals. That, that Essentially, you need to have some mechanism to objectively make a decision. Do I go after company A versus B? Do I go after them today, not tomorrow? So I'm holding a Yeti water bottle, and I have a choice. Do I go after Yeti water, or do I go after their competitor Igloo Cooler, as an example? So I have to look at signals in the market. Are there new executives there? Are there executives that came from our customers? Are there executives that came from their our competitors or connected to our competitors? Do they have tools that integrate with ours naturally? Um, do Have they demonstrated any buying intent? Are they raising their hand, Googling keywords? Um, are they preparing for merger and acquisition or IPO? So that's a huge one. Like, are, uh, Think of it as maturity readiness. So I'm looking for these signals that companies put these digital breadcrumbs all over the internet all the time to help me discern, do I go after A versus B? That's where account-based sellers fail. What they do is they start making lists of accounts based on revenue and headcount and logo sexiness, none of which is an asymmetrical competitive advantage. It's just like licking your fingers, putting it in the wind and saying, I'm just going to call through the phone book A through B, A through Z. There's no rhyme or reason. That is what we're trying to avoid for account-based sellers is to say, you might have 100 accounts in your territory, portfolio, market, whatever it is. Here are the five I think you focus on right now. And you provide that that specific information to your clients. Correct. So what Pipeline Signals does is focus on one of those. There's many different types of signals in the world. The one that highly converts is centered around humans. Humans make decisions in businesses. Like Yeti, the company, didn't get out of bed in Austin, Texas today and say, I need to change. It's the people within Yeti who decide to change. Now, when is the biggest moments in which change happens? It's when somebody new goes into a role or business, in that first 100 days, they want to make an impact. They start looking around for new people, process technology to bring in, get budget at their next quarterly meeting, deploy that budget against two, three, four initiatives to make their impact in the business. So human capital migration, if you follow the people, who did they, if they hire new people in, a priority is about to change. Did they promote some people? Priority is about to change. Did the people you were working with just walk out the door and leave? Priority is about to change. And so we follow the people. And so our technology tracks two major variables. One, 
Did they come from a happy, successful customer of yours? That's who you call first. Mm. Who you call second is, are there new executives in those roles that you call into? Because change is afoot. And so we focus on that one play or those one A and one B plays to get sellers really focused in on, hey, if I have a big basket of accounts, I'm going to go after these five, seven, ten. And we have to rank those prospects because you're right. Time is is our friend. Time could be our enemy. If we're wasting time prospecting and putting all this effort out and we're getting a zero return or maybe a one-off where we, we get lucky or maybe not lucky, you got referred, right? So that's how you got into that particular client. But all your other prospecting efforts are, it's, it's like you said, you're blowing into the wind or just going through the phone book if that even exists anymore. Um, we're wasting so much, so much valuable time. So I love how you really get focused. And you know, right? What's the, the, the premise of marketing that all the marketing, the, the people who do marketing well say, go mile deep, not a mile wide. And that's exactly where you're just lock and loaded on that A and B factor and so many leads come from that, but the bigger piece of it is not only are they qualified, good, good qualified leads, they're in that top one to 3% that are, are ready to buy either now, or then you nurture them a little bit for that short to midterm uh, time frame. So your efforts aren't wasted anyway, because they're already looking right there in the implied need versus the explicit need where I need to do something now I'm investigating is the implied need, right? And that's what we're talking about getting in there so that when they, they're ready to pull the trigger, you're top of mind. You're the one that they're going to choose and work with. Yeah. And I think, and, and so a lot of our customers, because of the size of the organization, uh, you know, they already have other forms of triggers, signals, compelling events. A lot of them have what's called buying intent software in their marketing department. So think of tools called Sixth Sense, Bombora, Demandbase, uh, LeadSift. These companies alert you when somebody's on your website. Googling a keyword, uh, looking up a topic, downloading an asset. So in Sixth Sense, they create a report called the 6QA, which is like, what are the people in the companies that are most looking at a topic right now? Hmm. And our customers love to mash that report with our report on job changes because that becomes their 1A priority list. Show me companies and people that are actually brand new, came from our customers, and they and or the buying committee around them, that company, is actively trying to learn new things because you have the priority shift of somebody new and you have somebody and the company looking at new ideas. Yeah, brilliant. And it's brilliant. It's simple and brilliant. But don't simple, doesn't simple usually work the best? When we start to create these complex, you got to do this and this and this, and all these people go, oh, that's too much work. I just can't do that, right? I'm done. I'm out. So uh, yeah, simple really does work. What Talk to me about what do successful companies do that you see versus those failed companies when, when you talk about implementing the pipeline signals that, that you know, your, your whole service? Yeah, I, and I think I touched on this. Um, I can tell, and now we're starting to create an account-based audit that we do pre-sales. We can tell at the mark of go, right on in onboarding, is this a company that's going to succeed and fail? And what you can tell, 
does do they come together in this onboarding call to solve a problem like a mission? Are they coming at this from a strategic mindset of we are going to improve our ability for our account-based sellers to open doors? Like what Pipeline Signals does is we are an, an accountability coach that helps sellers get more at-bats, get account-based sellers creating more sales-qualified leads. The mechanism of which we do it, the, those are just features. Like the fact that we give people signals reports and we enable them on social selling mastery and spear selling, those are just product features. The You can tell the great companies have a mission. We create X number of sales qualified leads. This is the percentage of self-sourcing, like meaning my account executives are doing this on their own right now. This is the amount of sales qualified leads they're creating on their own. We need to improve that per rep. And they plug us in and they are willing to do what it takes from both the enablement and the integration of these signals into their CRM and to make it a part of their workflow. That's what the great companies do. They're not just like, okay, give me a report. I'll dump it in CRM. Let's see how this works. Call you in a month. Like instantly see it in three months, you're going to churn. You're done. You are treating it exactly as I just described, like a widget. Yeah. We're hoping you were plugging in a computer and something was going to happen. Yeah. The best companies are actually mission-driven. They say, we as a company need to ensure our account-based sellers learn to self-source their own opportunities better. And we'll follow your instructions to do it. Uh, so that, that's what success looks like. They, they balance enablement with the product features. Yeah. And, and how many, I mean, you probably see this too with your clients. Just tell me what to say. Just what, what do I like? What will that work for me? They they're looking externally when it's really, you, you have to change internally so that you can change when you're, it's still relationship building, right? It's still that one-on-one connection that's either going to make the sale. And the other thing you said earlier, which I think is important to repeat, it's not only just about making the sale, it's about the deliverables on the back end. So I see a lot of uh, companies, you know, my peers out there, really good making the sale, getting the client, but the deliverables on the back end are horrific where there's no ROI, um, it's it's garbage. You know, the, the information is garbage. So it, it's it's not helping anybody at the end of the day. And then clients end up coming to me because they know that I get the ROI in the back end. It sounds like it's the same thing with you. People struggle with all this stuff. They're looking externally for the success internally when it has to be their mission and their commitment to say, I really like the way this is organized, packaged, put together deliverables, whatever, right? Internally and then or at the onset and then post, right? The deliverables on the back end. And then they're, they're committing to whatever that mission, whatever that strategy is, and they're doubling down on it instead of saying, Hey, let's see where it goes. And I think that's important. I love that word mission because I think people are, they say, Oh yeah, I want to do that. You know, I'm going to try, try is the enemy of getting things done, right? We got to commit. What is the, uh, the mission to get it done? Real last question. Cause we're almost out of time. Sure. You keep talking about a successful, you know, outcome and, and successful business versus a failed attempt. What does success look like or successful outcomes look like from your perspective or with your clients? Typically we tell every customer, each of your account-based sellers should be creating 20% more pipeline coverage. And I'll explain what all that means in six to 12 months. What that really means, and here's why. It's not 
it's not like black magic. Here's what happens. Every 90 days, the sellers are going through a learning journey that has an outcome, like an actual case study defense, where every 90 days, they actually have to create a real life opportunity and defend it in a video case study. And then they repeat it every 90 days. So typical company receives 250 signals every month. So if you look at, they might have hundreds of customers, thousands of prospects, the amount of data that comes into them, there's 250 job changes in their market or total addressable market every month. Some customers are getting 3% of of every signal that they get are turning into a meeting. One customer is getting eight, trying to get to 12%. So they're booking meetings, but it's the learning that is an accountability machine. They, They take the signals, they select accounts from it, they plan them, they engage them. And each seller, every quarter, has to take one of those accounts and turn it into a case study. So it forces the sellers to back up, build a plan, engage the market, create an opportunity, create videos like we're doing right now, and submit it as an assignment. And then the next quarter, they do it again. So the teams that actually do the work, we built the entire system to reverse engineer from a certain goal that we want to get. And so you will get 20% more pipeline coverage uplift because each one of your sellers are going to be doing this every single quarter and submitting their new opportunities as a forced function of the process we've designed. So it's just, are you willing to do the work? And as you were talking, I'm actually going to make a video. I'm going to even do this today. I want to make a video. There's basically two types of customers in the sales community. You either need a done-for-you service. You go hire an outsourced agency to book you meetings and grow your pipeline because you want to do nothing. And there's pros and cons to it. One of the challenges is you get addicted to somebody fishing for you and you never learn to fish. And if you turn off the taps, you can't do it. That's right. Or you're going to have to do the work. There's no like halfway there. You're going to have to learn the art of fishing, which can be time consuming. But if you learn it, you'll fish forever. And it's unfortunate that people buy the teach me how, but just wish they had a, just had somebody fishing for them. I love it. it. I just had a cartoon. My husband sent it to me because he knew I would get a kick. And, and there were two desks with, you know, humans behind and then a line of people. And the first desk that had the line of people, it said, I want to be successful. And that was the line. And then the other desk said, I'm willing to do the work to be successful. No one was. <laughs> no one's standing behind it. Exactly. Great. It just exactly what you just said. And, and, but it's so true. We want somebody to do it for us. And unfortunately, life's not that way, right? We know about being healthy. Somebody can't be healthy for you, right? You have to choose what to eat. You have to move your body. Nobody could move your body for you other than you. And in business, I really believe as, as the business owner, or then the executive of the division, it really is your responsibility, I believe, as a leader to get your people to whatever that next level of success is. That's that's our job as leaders out there, right? Or as business owners is to help and then fill in the blank with whatever your zone of genius is that you're helping. Um, Jamie, I just so, so wonderful. Uh, this was so much information. 
So everyone, I really think you need more Jamie in your life. So if you have a question specific to our conversation today or really anything about pipelines and and that business strategy that um, he's doing very well in his company, email him directly, jamie at pipelinesignalsplural.com. His website is pipelinesignals.com. And you do have, um, I'm going to put the link in the show notes, Jamie, but tell everybody with that link where it will take him and what they will get. So imagine you sell to the Fortune 2000. Wouldn't you would love to know every executive that has taken a new job in the last 90 days in the Fortune 2000 so that you can engage them while they're in what's called the window of change, that first 100 days when they're thinking about new people process technology. So on our website, we have a free resource. It's called the Fortune 2000 Executive Job Change Alerts. You can get it at pipelinesignals.com slash fortune dash 2000 dash companies dash signals. So go to the show notes, but it's a downloadable report free to you. Every executive job change in the North American fortune 2000 ready to go. What an awesome, what an awesome resource. And then we could look through those 2000 and find the industry or the vertical that matches with whatever, you know, my zone of geniuses or my product or services that I'm offering. What a, what a wonderful resource. So everybody that will be in the show notes. And again, I highly recommend connecting with Jamie on LinkedIn or wherever so that you could follow all the cool things that he's doing out there. Uh, Jamie, thank you again for being on uh, truly a good conversation and just an interesting way to look at things. But for me, the big, I think my biggest takeaway is we need processes in place. We, the individual, the human, we, what is that mission? What is that skill? What is whatever that next step is? And then process, process, process it. And I love that 90 days reflection where they have to take their client and create a case study based on the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Because once we start really mining and, and, getting into the weeds with why it was successful or how could it have been more successful or why it was an utter flop. As soon as we start to evaluate that, I think that provides intel for us in our industry, our own styles of communicating, et cetera, um, and just refine, 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 rinse and repeat. And now we're getting better and better. So think about it a year from now, you could be exponentially better skilled than you are right now, just by, by doing that one little tip that Jamie shared with that, that night, uh, that 90 day review. Love it. Love it. Love it. Jamie, thank you so much. Uh, truly, truly an honor, truly an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, real pleasure. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build and discover together, no matter where you are on your journey of changing your sales game. I truly hope my guests and I provide ideas, tips, strategies, thought provoking concepts that help you look at information, look at how you're doing things just in a different way. Um, Different isn't always good, but if you do different in a strategic, logical way, I guarantee you'll get magic on the back end. Information's a beautiful thing. If you do nothing with it, simply information. Take some of the ideas that Jamie shared today. Reach out, get that list from him. Reach out to him if you have questions. Trust me, as soon as you go into action, you will create a reaction and that's where the magic lies for you. Um, Thank you for tuning in and joining me on Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman on webtalkradio.com. It's truly an honor to have you every week join us. And I do hope that my guests and I help you move your needle of changing your sales game and just making a smidge easier for you. I love you all. I'll see you next week. Have a great one, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again, Jamie.
Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.